Good morning and welcome to the 7am Bible. This is Paul Chapman and this is episode number 50. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the good night's rest. We thank you for waking us refreshed to a brand new day. And we pray now as we open your word, you will give us something to take with us for our soul's need this day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've just joined us, we've been going through the life of Jacob. In the last episode, we looked at the treacherous cruelty Simeon and Levi perpetrated in avenging their sister Dinah. Shechem, a prince of the land, in one rash act of youth had brought her to shame and sorrow. But in retaliation, her two brothers committed murder, slaughtering a whole city. Instead of Jacob and his family being a saver of life unto life, they had become a stink in the land. Their brief stay in Shechem had turned to violence and bloodshed. It was a time of deep reflection for Jacob. He realised his own household had not fully given up their idolatry and wondered how God could bless them like that. He became fearful of the surrounding nations, feeling that God might leave him to the mercy of some avenging army. In this state of mind, God spoke to Jacob once more. In Genesis 35, 1, I shared it yesterday, and God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. And make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. As Jacob thought about that place, the mercy he had been shown there, and the vow he had made that the Lord God Almighty, Elohim, would be his God, he resolved to deal with the idolatry in his camp before he went to Bethel. Let's have a read of it. Genesis 35, verses 2 to 5. Then Jacob said unto his household, And to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments, and let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. Ellen White comments on this experience. She writes this in her book, Spiritual Gifts, uh, Volume 3, page 137. She writes, Jacob was humbled and required his family to humble themselves and to lay off all their ornaments. For he was to make an atonement for their sins by offering a sacrifice unto God that he might be entreated for them and not leave them to be destroyed by other nations. Jacob presented to his family and servants a strong incentive to give up their idolatry. He connected with his appeal the story of God's merciful dealings with him. He dwelt upon the character of God who is merciful and gracious and abundant in goodness and truth, a very present help in time of trouble. Ellen White comments on this experience. She says, With deep emotion, Jacob repeated the story of his first visit to Bethel. When he left his father's tent, a lonely wanderer, fleeing for his life and how the Lord had appeared to him in the night vision. As Jacob reviewed the wonderful dealings of God with him, his own heart was softened. His children also were touched by a subduing power. He had taken the most effectual way to prepare them to join in the worship of God when they should arrive at Bethel. That's from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 205. Jacob's recounting of God's merciful dealings with him had an effect. Let's read it in verse 4. 
And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Now some of those earrings which are used as charms or amulets would no doubt have had figures and mystic characters engraven upon them. These, along with the images everyone had, were taken and buried beneath an oak tree there in Shechem. I think that is a fitting symbol for what we should be doing with our own idols. Many centuries later, God spoke to Jacob's descendants and reminded them of the need to shun idolatry. In Exodus 20, he gave his Ten Commandments from Sinai, and the first commandment says in verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is not given out of self-interest. As I shared in the previous episodes, the only being worthy of our adulation and worship is the one who created us. Ellen White elaborates on this commandment. She writes, he says here in her book, uh, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 305, Jehovah, the eternal, self-existent, uncreated one, himself the source and sustainer of all, is alone entitled to supreme reverence and worship. Man is forbidden to give to any other object the first place in his affections or his service. Whatever we cherish that tends to lessen our love for God or to interfere with the service due Him, of that we do make a God. So, we don't need to worship another God that is, you know, like a Hindu God or a or Buddha or something. We just need to cherish something that lessens our love for God or interferes with the service we owe Him. Now, what service do we owe Him? Well, Paul explains it for us in uh, first in Second uh, Corinthians, I should say, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse fourteen and fifteen. He said this: "For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again." This is the reason for service. Without Jesus, none of us would be alive today. He paid the price for our sins that we might not die, but live. That love is the motivating power he uses to engage us in service for him. Paul wrote in Romans 12, and I'm reading here verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, living for God is our reasonable service in view of what he has done for us. The second commandment speaks against graven images. It says there, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. Why? Well, Ellen White explains further on this commandment too. She writes this in the same book, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 306. 
Many heathen nations claimed that their images were mere figures or symbols by which the deity was worshipped. But God has declared such worship to be sin. The attempt to represent the Eternal One by material objects would lower man's conception of God. The mind turned away from the infinite perfection of Jehovah would be attracted to the creature rather than to the Creator. And as his conceptions of God were lowered, so would man become degraded. And that's what happened. Paul declared in Romans 1 about those that practiced idolatry anciently. He said, because that, and I'm reading here from verse 21 to verse 25, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of an uncorruptible God into an image like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonour their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed for ever. Amen. In the words of Hugo Grotius, a Dutch biblical scholar of the 1600s, as they deserted God, God in turn deserted them, not giving them divine laws and suffering them to corrupt those which were human, not sending them prophets and allowing the philosophers to run into absurdities. He let them do what they pleased, even what was in the last degree vile, that those who had not honoured God might dishonour themselves. That's why in the sanctuary that God instructed Jacob's descendants to make, in which he would dwell, there is no image of the deity that sanctuary is made for. Nothing on earth can represent God aright. The only one who ever did was his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And it says here in Hebrews 1 verse 3, who is the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Jesus is the only object worthy of our worship that has ever walked this earth. He is the one upon which our minds are to be centred when it comes to the knowledge of the God who we are to worship. If you want to know what our Heavenly Father is like, look at His Son, Jesus. The Father sent Him to demonstrate His love for us. 1 John 4 and verse 10 says, Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And 1 John 2 verse 2 says, And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation means atonement or reconciliation. And the place He atoned for our sins or paid the price for them was Calvary. It says here in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24, Who His own self bear our sins in His own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So, when it comes to bearing our idols today, we don't have an oak tree like Jacob did back there in Shechem, but we do have the tree upon which Christ died, the cross. That's where we are to come by faith 
and give up our idols. If we do, we have the promise of God's presence, protection and blessing in our life. That's what Jacob wanted and that's what he and his family now received. Let's read it in Genesis 34 verse 5. And they journeyed and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them. And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. What a wonderful God we serve. The justice of the time dictated that Jacob and his family should be left to the avengers of those Simeon and Levi murdered. But in his graciousness, God overruled and no one dared touch them. Genesis 35, verses 6 and 7 says, So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is, Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. Jacob had come full circle and brought his entire family with him. Together they worshipped the Lord at Bethel. Jacob marked the occasion by renaming it El Bethel, the God of the house of God. This was a fresh new experience for Jacob and his family, and one that should be an encouragement for believers in every age. Look what happened in the time of Paul when those at Ephesus heard the gospel. Acts 19, I'm reading verses 18 to 20. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Rather than sell their magic books, they burnt them. I did the same with my rock music records when I found the Lord, and I haven't looked back. So, if you want to have a fresh, new experience with Jesus, take the time to look at your heart and life today. Remove the idols at the tree and let God reign within. His promise is captured in the words of Paul, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. That's a wonderful promise, and it can be ours today. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this meditation this morning that reminds us once more of your wonderful mercy and love for us in giving us your only begotten Son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sins that we might not perish but have eternal life. Father, if there are things in our lives, the idols in our hearts that are threatening to take our love and service that's due to you away, we ask that you'll take those idols away, Lord, that, you will, that we will be inspired to rise up and bury them, Lord, at the cross of Calvary, that we can surrender all to you and that you can bless us, protect us and be with us, Lord, in all our goings. So we ask this, these mercies, Lord, and we pray this in and through the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the 7am Bible this morning. I trust you've gained a blessing from it. And remember, wherever you are today, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, be prayerful, be careful, take the Lord with you and have a great day. And I look forward to you joining me for the next episode of the 7am Bible. Why are you downcast all my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Savior.
song through the night 